Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Today we're going to wrap up our generosity series. Uh, we have talked about this subject for now. This will be the fourth week. And today we're going to be in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, and uh, we're going to look at a message that I've never taught before. I mean, that's typically the case, but I never even, you know, in Bible study, uh, took you guys through these, these verses. So, Father, as you open eyes and do what only you can do, we'll give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. All right, verse 36. The Bible says that Joppa, or Joppa, there was a certain disciple. Disciple in the English language literally means a student, a follower, or perhaps an apprentice. However, in the ancient world, this term took on a far deeper meaning. In the time that this Bible was written, disciples not only heard but memorized the lectures of their rabbis. And they would leave their jobs, they would leave their homes and their families to actually live with the rabbi 24-7. So what we see in the Gospels is simply a reflection of that culture where the disciples leave their fishing boats and, and they go to, to be with Jesus. And the primary goal of a disciple was get to the place that you know the rabbi so well that you can imitate him in every way. In fact, the, the Talmud, which is the Jewish traditions, actually records a story of a disciple who snuck under his rabbi's bed so he could be present when the rabbi and his wife uh, interacted. Yeah, and, and when the rabbi discovered the student next to his slippers under his bed, the disciple, you know, looked up and said, this too is Torah, and I need to learn. Now, can anyone say too much? Okay, that's a little bit too much. <laughs> but it makes the point discipleship was extensive. Discipleship wasn't a light visit here and there, and you kind of catch a few, you know, sayings from your teacher. It was an attempt to fully embody with your life and characterize your teacher in your lifestyle. And the scripture says at Joppa, there was a certain disciple Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists who ever lived, he, he said this. He said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything you have. This lady was not just a casual churchgoer, but a woman who deeply loved the Lord and, and wanted to, to live a life that reflected him in every way. And her name was, the Bible says, Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Now, the fact that she had a, uh, or was known better by her Greek name and not her Hebrew name meant that she was probably a Hellenistic Jew, meaning her native tongue was, was Greek. And uh, typically the Hellenistic or the Greek-speaking Jews were better educated and uh, also they seemed to, to be a lot wealthier than the typical Jew. And the Bible goes on and said, this woman, 
Now, I get a little envious every time I read this in Scripture, but uh, the fact is I, I see it quite a bit. It's amazing how the ladies seem to get the most attention and sometimes the greatest miracles in all the New Testament. And the men are just kind of left scratching their heads, you know, watching the ladies get it done. And here's another example. Remember, after the resurrection, the disciples didn't believe it. They were hiding, but the ladies, you know, went to the tomb, and the ladies were the ones who reported what was going on. So we see this over and over again in the Gospels. It said, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she, she did, meaning she was very involved in her church. She worked in the food pantry. She worked in the prison ministry, the youth ministry, the cleaning tabernacle, took part in, in all the clothing drives, the holiday giveaways, and she even chaired the hospitality committee. This lady was involved in a church. But verse 37 says, but it happened in those days that she became sick. What I want you to see today is that her love for God in a Christian service did not insulate her from illness. Neither did it protect her from pain. You see, God never promises that it won't hurt. He just promises that it'll be worth it. The Bible says this, this darling woman, this exceptional lady, became sick and died. Now, here's the $6 million question. How could such a bad thing happen to such a good person? You see, the critics would, will answer either, you know, let's say either God's not all-knowing, God's not all-powerful, or God's not all-good. The problem with this conclusion is that it assumes that this world is all that is. You see, the gospel does not guarantee a perfect life, only a perfect eternity. And all who live godly in Christ are going to face some stuff, deal with some stuff called life. And when they had washed her, now this is a hot region, this is a hot part, part of the planet, and typically in this part of the world, when a person died, they, they were typically buried that same day. And if you didn't bury the person that same day, it would impact some things. So the Bible says they washed her, but they laid her in an upper room. Obviously, those who loved her weren't willing to let go of her. And it seems here that the disciples were intentionally delaying her burial. But here's the deal. Human impossibility is where faith begins. And though this woman died, I, I believe supernatural faith was working inside some of the disciples. And, and now you could do this type of thing silly and wrong and embarrass yourself. But when God's moving on your heart and, and, and you know that there's a way back and, and, and a way out of a situation you've been in, you need to learn to follow God. And this is exactly what the disciples did. Verse 38. And since Lida was near Joppa, about 10 miles away, and watch this, and the disciples had heard, there's that term disciple again. This was a group of people uh, who gave their hearts wholly to God and the whole thing was, Lord, I want to imitate you. I want to represent you on planet earth. And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. Now, in case you're ever left for dead, it's good to have a few friends that are disciples. How many of you believe that? 
people who hear from God and don't know how to quit. These are the type of people we're meeting in this, this passage. And they sent two men to Peter. And it describes the intense, there was a certain intensity. They implored him not to delay. Peter, don't drag your feet on this one. You see, they're, they're, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but God gives us windows of opportunity. And if we miss that window, life becomes a whole lot harder, a whole lot difficult. We got to learn to move with the cloud. We got to learn to go when God says go, come when God says come, stay when God says stay. So they implored him. They recognized both Peter and the disciples that came to him that this was a time-sensitive miracle. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, to everything, not just some things, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And what I want to uh, just reinforce today and, and really lay out for you that there are limited windows of opportunity that God gives each of us. And if you miss your season, you're going to have to wait through another summer, another winter, and another fall. Do you hear what I'm saying? Before that opportunity comes back around. What's amazing is it will come back around. But here's the deal. Even the opportunity of a lifetime only lasts the lifetime of that opportunity. And in my life, and, you know, I, I've learned, you know, I'm only 35 years old. And in my life, <laughs> my short life, I learned when I don't do it when he says do it. When I don't do it when my help is present. You hear what I'm saying? You know, procrastination has a way of making easy things hard. And then hard things even harder. And I find that when, you know, when I miss that first time, it's so much harder the second and it's happened enough that I've learned, you know what? I'm going to try to get it right the first time. Back to Acts 9 and verse 38. Again, they sent two men to, to Peter imploring him. There was an urgency in their, their voice and, and the request. And, and actually, the Greek implies here that these disciples got into Peter's face just a little bit. And they were respectfully and affectionately insisting, hey, man, don't delay on another miracle. Don't, don't try to tend to another need. This thing has a time stamp on it. He said, do not delay in coming to them. So again, Peter just, he kind of had a way of, of getting sidetracked in the rest. And, and there was a window of time. And what I'm trying to say to you, uh, you know, in life, and matter of fact, a lot of people argue with this and, and they think differently, but the biggest opportunity is that entire window called life. But here's the deal. That only lasts so long. You're only on the planet. I don't care what you believe. You're not going to live past 120 years old. Okay. You have a window of time. But then within that larger window, there are seasons in time. And if you miss your season, life becomes so much more. Cool. Where was I? Thank you. Thank you. He said, do not delay what in coming to them. Go to Luke chapter 8 and verse 23. That's where I wanted to go a moment ago. When these two men implored Jesus, I'm sorry, Peter, I think it reminded him of a moment when he was actually with Jesus. Let's take a look. Stay with me. But as they sailed, most of us know this narrative, Jesus fell asleep 
And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in jeopardy. In other words, they were sinking. Anyone ever feel like you're sinking? Though you love Jesus, though God's on board with what you're doing, you're doing what the Lord told you to do. I mean, come on, Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is not outside the will of God. I mean, they're doing what God assigned them to do, but somehow they're sinking. And in the midst of this, it said, and they came to him and awoke him saying, master, master, do you still come to Jesus when you feel like you're going down? Do you still come to Jesus when you feel like God has fallen asleep on the job? Can you still call him master, captain of my ship, captain of my salvation when your boat is sinking? Can you really do that? He said, they awoke him. Not saying, oh, loser, oh, oh, if you were really God. No, master, master, we're drowning, we're we're perishing. Jesus, we're we're going under. We're not going to be able to keep our heads above water much longer. Watch this. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and and the raging water. And they ceased and there was what? Calm. What I need you to see in this is that the wind was blowing. Cold water was splashing. People were frightened. And God slept. What I need you to see is it wasn't the raging storm that woke the disciples, but the prayer that woke Jesus. We think, Lord, there's so much stuff going on in my life. You got to get up and do something. Lord, don't you see what's happening? But it wasn't the size of the storm. It was the call of a disciple. The only thing that roused Jesus was the voice of those he loved. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. Again, it was not the storm that woke Jesus. It was the prayer of the disciple. And what I want to tell you, it's not your storm. It's not how big your problem is. That's going to rouse the Lord. It's going to be you reaching out and you touching and taking hold of your master. Back to 9 and 38 Acts. And the disciple had heard that Peter was there and he implored him, verse 39. Then because, simply because two disciples pressed the issue, and that's why you you need some good disciples in your life. Peter arose and went with them. I put this note on my computer because sometimes I, 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 I get, unfortunately, a little bit coy, shy, if you will, and I don't like to say that out loud. But, you know, sometimes I start negotiating with myself in my mind. Well, if I ask for that, then they're not going to do that. But, 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 but what I learned to do, what I'm learning to do, I have a little note, and it says this, ask for 100% of what you want 100% of the time. In other words, I'm not going to say no for you. I'm going to let you say your no. And sometimes we have not because we ask not. 
and think something is too big, so, so we don't even, you know, I'm not even going to ask it. No, 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 no. I, I'm learning to ask for 100% of what I want, 100% of the time. You see, you, you will never enjoy the lion's share. You, you will never uh, enjoy eating with, with the lions, eat buying like a stray sheep. We, 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 we got to learn to, to think big and to reach big and, and to do big. And, 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 and here, this is the great Peter. I mean, this, this is not, you know, just some guy in a church. This is Peter who had a schedule. This is the lead apostle. This, this is the man that, that's, that, that's preached to 3,000 people. They got saved. Then 2,000 the next. I mean, you know, it's phenomenal who, who they're, they're, they're talking about. But they asked him for what they wanted. And watch, he, 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 the Bible said, when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. Now, most people at this time lived in a one-room house. I mean, you know, that was just the way people lived, if you had a house at all. And again, we see here, she must have been very wealthy uh, to have a second floor large enough to, ha- to house a large group of people that had come to, 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 to mourn. But we're about to see her, her, her wealth was not in her property, but in her generosity. And, and we, we're about to see the life of this lady. And said, in all, meaning a, a lot of people, and all the widows were up on that second floor, and they stood by Peter weeping. Now, if this church shut down tomorrow... How many in our community would weep because of the hole it created? Now, in our case, you know, the more families uh, uh, would, would be broken. Uh, uh, some families would go hungry and kids wouldn't have Christmas. Families wouldn't have Thanksgiving and, and, and school supplies would, would go, be gone without. But, but this is not always the case. Now, imagine again if Grace Church wasn't here, the gap it would leave. But here's the bigger question. What if you weren't here tomorrow? What contribution would be lost? Would people just weep because they're sentimental? Or because you really added value to their lives? It said all the widows stood by him Weeping. These poor widows could never repay this wealthy woman. So they began showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. And here's the deal. It's a lot easier to make a buck than it is to make a difference. How many of you know that's true? This woman was a difference maker, and you want to make a difference in your life. By the way, that's what that whole, you know, 90-day challenge is all about, making a bigger difference for the kingdom of God while you're here. Amen? Verse 40. But watch Peter. And again, the goal of a disciple is to be like the teacher. And we're going to see lots of similarities here between when uh, Jesus raised up that little girl from the dead, Jairus' daughter, and this particular situation. Watch this. But Peter put them all out. So the sadness and the commotion was not conducive to prayer and faith. And here's the deal. You can't constantly hang around negative people expecting to have a positive life. And sometimes you got to let some folk out. Now, now you don't necessarily have to leave them forever. But for this moment, 
what you're saying and what you're not conducive to what's going on here. So, so I'll meet you a little, again a little bit further down the road, but for now, I, I need you to back on out and get on the other side of the door. And the Bible said he, he put all of them out, and there's some things you got to put out of your life if you want to be successful with the king. And then Peter knelt down and prayed. When life knocks you to your knees, remember you're in a perfect position to pray. Now the Bible says he prayed, but then he turned to the woman. You see, many of us, we're in a crisis. We just stare at our problem. He was a good Jew. Jewish people tended to pray toward the temple. So before he looked to the woman or that, that was dead on the bed, he looked to God. And, and it said... And turning to the, after he prayed, he turned to the body. And after you pray and you hear from God, then you can turn to that situation, speak to that situation. And he turned to the body. And he said, just like Jesus said to Jairus' daughter, Tabitha, arise. I felt like the Lord was saying to me in my, my study this weekend, Derek, if you too will get all that negativity and commotion out your head, you will rise too. And there are things in your life God wants to do, but until you get all that negativity, all that commotion out of the room, out of your head, you're not going to be successful. And she opened her eyes. As I began to read this, I know the Lord was speaking to me, but I also know he's speaking to us as a church. And what he's saying to each of us is be on your lookout for your Peter. See, you may have lost your personal battle, but there's a larger team out there with different gifts, different abilities. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.